Hello, thanks for listening. Riley Duick here. This episode is actually a shared episode with my other podcast, Not Many of You Should Become Teachers. In this episode, I was able to share a message at the middle school that I teach at in chapel. So this is another one of my speaking engagements. You can excuse the intro music that you're about to hear from Not Many of You Become Teachers. It is not a an educational podcast here. This is just another one of my speaking engagements that I get to share with you. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics and are allergic to cheap rhetoric. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Riley here. Welcome to a new episode of Not Many of You Should Become Teachers. If you're new here, I'm a grade six teacher at a Christian school in Surrey, British Columbia. I'm normally joined by a co-host, but I am alone this week. It's my turn to do a bit of a solo episode here. And the reason that I'm doing that is because recently I had the opportunity to speak at one of our middle school chapels. And this week's episode will be bringing that exact message to you. Now, I had the opportunity to speak at a number of middle school chapels in the past, and I was really looking forward to doing it again this time. This message is specifically on empathy, and deeply entwined in Christian empathy is our identity in Christ. So, uh, I, I really weave those two topics together, and I did so for a purpose. Currently at the middle school that I teach at, we are doing a kindness challenge and we're, we're working on things like empathy. And for me, when it comes to Christian education, we really need to know why this matters to us. If you're familiar at all with Simon Sinek, you'll know that he has something called the golden circle. And he talks about how businesses are actually most successful when they sell why they're doing something. Not selling what they're doing or how they're doing it, but when they market why they're doing something. That is the same for any time that someone is speaking in chapel, teaching a Bible class, or actually teaching any form of education. That why is incredibly important. And I think it's sometimes difficult, especially in a Christian education context. We get so caught up on what we're doing and, and what we're doing well, for that matter, how we're accomplishing it, but we never come back to what we're rooted in, and I don't want to say never, never say never, but I think seldom do we come back to what we're rooted in, and that is our Christ-like education, that we are, are doing things because of our root in Christianity. We have a lot of youth pastors that come through our chapel, and they deliver lots of really great messages, but I recognize that a lot of them are what messages, how messages, and seldom do we get to the why part. And I think part of it is that there is that disconnect when a guest speaker comes into a school, and uh, it's not something that they can touch into the culture that maybe a teacher might be able to speak to. So for me, I was very passionate about making sure that why why we are empathetic, why we believe that people have value has to come across in this message, specifically from a Christian worldview, because empathy and value is taught at any school in North America. We have the monopoly on Christian empathy and identity. 
So I was very passionate that those things would come across. Now in the message, I do use a number of videos. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna cut out the videos from the message. If you'd like to see them, uh, you can find them on YouTube. And what I'll do is I'll come back on the mic here and I will let you know what the video was, what its intended purpose was, and maybe where you can find it. So without further ado, here is my middle school chapel message on identity and empathy. Good morning, grade sixes and sevens. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, grade sixes and sevens. Uh, bit of a bummer uh, that our grade eights are missing today, but it is still nonetheless an absolute pleasure to be here uh, speaking in chapel. This is my oh, third or fourth, fourth time speaking at middle school chapel. I got next last year, which made me think that um, there was something that was up, but I got asked again this year. So either we're desperate or um, I, we're willing to have me back again. It's just been long enough. There was too much Mr. Derek before, but uh, it's, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to be back. Um, and I'd like to start with a short video. Okay, so this short video is something that I've actually shown to Mrs. Kubler's class, okay? And I will explain why it is important after the video. Let's take a look. Wow, okay, I made it 30 seconds into my message before I needed to play a video. That is what it's like working with middle school students. Just kidding. What the video that I show is a Mythbusters clip. And if you've seen many Mythbusters episodes, there is one where they decide to test a myth on whether a giant Lego ball can roll down a hill while remaining in Lego pieces that are attached to itself. So in the video, you see them put millions and millions and millions of Lego pieces essentially to create this ball. It's quite a hilarious, um, not skit, but experiment, experiment, because what ends up happening is the ball rolls and it totally crumbles into a million pieces, quite literally. And uh, it's a very fun, engaging way. And it's one of my favorite analogies for when I'm talking about spiritual formation. And I mentioned that in the, in the message. Lego pieces. Okay, this is just a brief introduction. I think the video is a fun way to, to demonstrate it. But here's the deal. Every week we have chapel. And every, every, maybe two, three times a week you have Bible class and maybe almost every day you have devotions. And what's going on is everyone in this room, as we grow up, as we learn more about God, as we learn more about Jesus, everyone is kind of giving you these Lego pieces that you, you can play with. And you start to build this ball that starts to get, it does get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm sure myself and some of the teachers in the room have just loads of Lego pieces that have been given to us to create what we call the big, the big uh, technical term is called spiritual formation. How are we being formed, okay? So this morning, I have a set of Lego pieces for you, and as there are every week, and it's, it's really up to you whether you're gonna take them or not. Uh, and it's literally what uh, God has put on my heart today, okay? So here's what I got for you. The bottom line today is that you have value, and the people around you have value too. You have value, and the people around you, on your left, on your right, they have value as well. Now, it could be one thing to say that, just say it. That would make this a what message. Or I could tell you uh, what would be the best way to go about doing this, and that would make it a how message. But really, the best chapel messages are the why messages. Why is this happening? Why do you have value? Why do the people on your left and your right have value? So here's what I'd like to do. Is there someone in here that thinks that they're pretty good? Pretty valuable? 
Can I ask you, give me one reason why you have value, Mr. Eli Moody? Thank you for sharing. First of all, everyone, round of applause for Mr. Eli Moody. And how about you stand up so everyone can see you? Okay. What makes you nice and valuable here? What, what do you bring into the table? Like, what, uh, what, what makes you valuable maybe to me or the people around you? You just are. Woo, that's a lot of self-worth and confidence. Thank you, Mr. Moody. Someone else, I want another one. Here, Tavon, what makes you valuable? You know, my hair. His hair. I do have to say, Tavon, you have incredible hair. And I'll take maybe one more. Come over to this side. Yes, my friend, what makes you valuable? There you go, basketball. I'm sure your teammates bring uh, that's very valuable to your teammates and valuable to our athletic program, right, Mrs. Wonsura? That is true, okay? But I'd like to share with you what something, something called an epiphany. Actually, can we look at the next slide here? Do you know that we're actually in like a church calendar that's going round and round all the time? And right now, after Christmas, we're in a section called epiphany. It's in the top left of that, that circle. It might look a little confusing, but you can see it says January, February, a little bit of March, maybe. Epiphany, okay? And epiphany means a new revelation. A new revelation or a new idea uh, that has come about. And I would like to share something with you that was shared to me actually at a summer where I was working with our very own Mrs. Wanzura at Pace. Can we go to the next slide? Now, I have the pleasure of knowing very many of you, and I would love, oh, and this actually makes me think that, oh, how much I've missed that the grade eights are not here this morning. But if you were at Pace from either 2011 to 2016, any of the years that I was there, one summer, one week, whatever, could you raise your hand? I just want to see. Woo! <sighs> hey, put your hands down, I'm gonna cry. It's just, so first off, that, that's just me. I absolutely love all of you, and that that's just makes it so amazing to work here. But when I was at Pace, uh, it was actually I, no short of a miracle that I was able to work at that summer program. I was in grade 11 at Pacific Academy, and I needed a summer job. And if you know, a lot of the high school students that actually work in the summer are volunteer. I was not interested in volunteering, okay? My parents told me I needed to get some money in my pocket, I needed a summer job, so I emailed my application in, and I got an email back that said, you have been accepted to volunteer. And I said, oh well, it was worth a shot, I'll go work at the mall. So I emailed back and I said, you know what, no, I, I actually was really hoping that maybe I'd be on the leadership team, because I actually need a summer job, that's really what I'm looking for. And within a week of me sending that email, I got an email back saying that someone had dropped out and that I was, uh, was being offered a position to work at Pace Summer Camps. And for five years, I had the opportunity to work with all of you and I had an incredible piece, of incredible epiphany, a revelation that was shared with me that, I, that I, now I want to share with you. And it all has to do with why do you have value? Why do the people on your left and your right have value? The first question you need to ask is, who are you? Look in. Who does God say you are? 
Because you could say I have value because I just do, like Mr. Moody did. But that could be taken as a little bit of pride or arrogance just to say like, oh, well you just think you do? What's the deal with that? We're actually often valued when we're affirmed, when other people tell us that we have value. Like someone says, you're a great basketball player. Wow, thanks, that makes me feel valued. But some of us never hear that. And some of us live short of being affirmed. But the truth is, is that God is the one that cares for you and says that you have value. Three different times in the Bible and maybe more, I only wrote down three, it says that you are a child of God. We're family. We're valued by God as if we are his family members, as if we're his children. Think about your parents loving you. That's Almighty God the Father loving us, children of God. And you know what? We go to a Christian school and we hear that a lot. I pray, I pray that this never gets old, that you have value. You have value because you are a child of God. You guys know the song? I'm no longer a slave. Sing it. To fear. Come on. Praise God. One more time. Because we are, we, we are adopted into this incredible family to be called children of God. And we have value because of that. Now, if I say that you are a child of God, that also makes the person on your left and on your right also children of God. But I also know that our culture and a lot of what we do, we think, well, why should I care about you? What do you bring to the table for me? Maybe you're on my basketball team, and you're pretty good at basketball. It's good, I'm getting something from there. But like, come on, like if you're not giving me any money, or doing something for me, or bringing me food, why should I care about you? It's a little extreme, I get that. But that's the question. If the person on my left and my right has value, why should I, why should I, why should I believe that? Why should I care about them? Um, can we go to the next, uh, next slide, please? Why should I care? Uh, grade six says, who was in Mrs. Backen's class last year? Can you put your hand up? Does anybody know what this, this phrase means, Imago Day? Does anybody remember? I was in your class one, one day last year. Would you, would you be willing to give it, a, give it a guess? Do you remember what that means? No, anybody? Yes, Ben. Just give it a guess, just give it your best shot. Creation, we're getting there. We're warmer. Think about that. Genesis, Imago Day, Tanya. God's creation, we're getting closer. Genesis 1, Sebastian. We're on the right track. I'll take one more. Tristan, do you remember? Imago Day. That's true. Okay, I have grade sevens. I didn't share this in your devotion. Max Holmes, you seem like you're gonna scream it out. Let's see, do you know what it means? It means you're God. Image of God. Did you know that? Did you know that it says in Genesis that we are created in the image of God? Sometimes we skim over that. We're just kind of like, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> we don't really know what it means. The image of God. 
Imagine a creator or an artist that's creating something. The image of God is like leaving a, a fingerprint. God's fingerprint is left upon you. Or the artist's signature in the bottom corner. You are bearers of God's image. And that is what gives you value. When I see other people, when I, when, I, no, when I look around and I see the people that are around me, I don't just see people who need to give me something or people who owe me something to have value or people who owe me something for me to care. I care about you because you bear God's image. We're divine, all of us. We all have that fingerprint on our lives. And that brings me to this. In some of your classrooms, you may have talked about this already, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about empathy. That's where I'm going here, okay? Now, maybe you've heard the word empathy or you've heard the word sympathy, but sympathy, you maybe hear someone, or you give them a sympathy card, is to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like when someone's going through a rough time, like, I'm so sorry for you, which is good, that's a start. But empathy says, hey, you know what, I care about you, and I understand what you're going through. Uh, let's watch a short video on what empathy means. Now, obviously, I'm stopping the message to let you know about a video that I'm showing, but it's also time to let you know about the sponsors that we don't have. Just kidding. Uh, well, actually, not just kidding. We do not have any sponsors, but hey, if you wanted to go by my Teachers Pay Teachers page, wouldn't hurt at all. Everything's free, so it's still not a sponsorship, but it's some free advertising for me. That aside, the video that I'm showing is a video by Brené Brown. If you know anything about empathy or vulnerability, you'll know that Brené Brown is a very, very prolific voice in this area. The video portrays sympathy versus empathy, and Brené Brown talks about how sympathy is always a sentence that begins with at least, well, at least this or at least that, where empathy comes alongside people and shows them that you care even when we don't even understand the situation. Anyways, it's a cartoon video that is voiced over by Brené Brown, and there is a goat that is representing sympathy, a bear that is representing empathy, and a fox that is going through a bit of a rough time. It's a, it's a really great resource that I would suggest that you watch. You can find it on YouTube, and almost everything by Brené Brown is something that would definitely be worth your time, especially in this area of business. Let's continue. Now, the bear in the video is displaying empathy. They come alongside and they care for people. But to me, actually the only way that it really makes sense for this to even happen is if we first recognize who are the people around me? You know, I recognize that they have value because they're image bearers and children of God. This is meant to be a conversation starter, teachers, to, to figure out what does empathy look like? That's not what I'm gonna go into today. I'm looking at why. But I do see somehow, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans that we're meant to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we're meant to weep with those who weep. You see, empathy is actually a very Christian idea. We come alongside people, we value people, we weep with others, and we care for others because we recognize that they have the image of God upon them. See, for me, that's the difference between doing Christian things and being Christian. Because... If the point of being here is just being a nice person, like I, I, I am empathetic because it's just a nice thing to do, we're actually missing the point. It's a nice idea, but I think we're missing the point. 
We can, I, I actually still am not super convinced that we can teach empathy, like I give you this big long list of like here, 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 but I am convinced that you can learn it, okay? You can learn it by watching others, like that video, and you can also watch it, uh, or you can experience it, okay? And one of the best pictures of this is by Jesus Christ, our Lord. How, how like, oh, our Lord. The reason that Jesus is so important, you guys, is because he's God. Do we realize that? How incredible that is, that we dive into the Gospels and we see God at work so vividly and clearly in the image of a man, the Son of God. And in John 4, uh, in John chapter 4, this is what happens. There's a woman who felt like she had no value. None. She actually, she was going to get water because obviously you need water if you're going to survive, but she had to go in the middle of the day when it was scorching hot because actually many people around her disliked her and hated her to the extent that she felt worthless. And then Jesus approached her and comes alongside her in empathy and says, could I have a drink? And she says, well, no one asks me for water. Everyone is always just looking down on me. So actually, you and your friends are some of the people that really shouldn't be with me that because uh, I'm just worthless. What are you doing here asking me for a drink? And Jesus says, hey, you know what? I actually know that you're going through a hard time. I actually know that you've been married five times and each time it's fallen apart. And you know what? Actually, I'm not here just to take a drink from the well, but I'm here to give you something. Because I see that you have value, I wanna give you life. And I wanna give you love, and I wanna give it to you to the full. And that whole moment of Jesus coming alongside this woman who is broken and worthless and feels like she has no value, Jesus speaks life into her. Recognizing the image of God and seeing her as a child in the family and the kingdom of God. It didn't matter where this woman was from. It doesn't matter where you're from. We're all children of God. We all have God's thumbprint. We all have that artist's signature as the image of God in our lives. You have value. The person on your left and the person on your right have value too. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that that would never get old. What an incredible identity we have that, you know what, actually, we don't need to keep telling ourselves, well, I'm, I'm, I'm valuable because I say I am, or I'm valuable because someone else says I am, or I'm valuable because I'm good at this. Because all those things, they, they tend to fail us. I pray that we would remember that our value, our intrinsic value, the value that comes from inside of us, when we look in, is that we are called your children, and that we have your image on our life. Lord God, I pray that we remember this as we dive into empathy as a school. And I pray that, uh, yeah, that that would be our mission. That that would distinguish us from just doing Christian things to being Christian, to being Christ-like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, middle school. It was an absolute honor to be here. Thank you very much. There you have it. That is my middle school chapel on identity and empathy. I hope you enjoyed it. It really was a pleasure to deliver. I even got two of my favorite 
personal analogies in there, my own little tidbits, the Lego analogy, and also, uh, well, I guess it's not an analogy, but making sure that we are being Christian and not just doing Christian things. Regardless of that, uh, this has been a great time. I'm glad that I've been able to share this with you on Not Many of You Should Become Teachers. Next week, Dave and I will be back, and we're actually going to be rehashing out a little bit of what has to do with our graduating from faith episode, specifically because I was at a conference that was talking about a three-year study done in Canada on youth leaving faith after high school. It's called Renegotiating Faith. It was presented at the Christian Youth Workers of Canada conference, which I got to attend, and I'm looking forward to sharing as much of that information with you as possible. Before we go today, I have the pleasure of sharing a five-star review that was posted on iTunes. It says that this is thought-provoking and challenging from Karen. This is a great new podcast that is causing me to consider the issues below the surface of teaching practice and curriculum. It is a privilege to be able to meld faith with daily teaching practices, and these guys are taking that to heart and embracing the challenges and opportunities that provides. Riley and Dave have great rapport and pacing, good editing, and it's really enjoyable to listen. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Karen, for that positive review. It's always great to hear that awesome and encouraging feedback. If you're looking for more content like this, you can go on our YouTube channel. Just kidding, we don't have a YouTube channel. Our Twitter account, that is at not many of you. That is the best place where you can contact us and see all of our content that uh, you may be interested in. If you enjoyed listening to the show today, a great review on iTunes or your app of choice would be fantastic. And also be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified when we we post new episodes. It's been a pleasure talking with you and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.